Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Perfectly Flawed Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Ryan. Ryan is originally from Papua New Guinea and represented his country in his first Olympics in Tokyo 2021. Ryan moved to Australia at the age of 14 to attend boarding school and went from training three times a week to nine times a week in Brisbane. Ryan spoke about his transition to Australia and how his swimming career has grown and evolved. In 2018, after a passport wait, his Commonwealth Games dream didn't come to fruition. This then led him to quitting swimming and getting caught up in the college lifestyle. After hitting what Ryan describes as undiagnosed depression, he made the decision that something needed to change and return to swimming. Ryan had a mentally tough lead into Tokyo, but worked tirelessly to ensure he could nail the perfect race in Tokyo. Ryan has many goals and aspirations to continue to make his country and himself proud. It was awesome to hear Ryan's perspective on swimming, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those that don't know you, would you like to give a little bit of an overview of who you are? My name's Ryan Masculin. I swim for Papua New Guinea. I grew up in PNG until I was at the age of 14 where I came to Australia for schooling and yeah I like to swim and I like to watch the NBA that's pretty much who I am (laughs) that's awesome what was it like moving you know some people travel to other countries and it's really cool to see and experience new things but I can imagine it's very different living in another country and you know picking up your whole life and moving what was that like yeah it, it was definitely a shock I I came to Australia for boarding school. So I was, you know, away from family and I was in Ipswich and I had some brothers and sisters in Australia, but they're all in Brisbane. Ipswich isn't that far, but it's, you know, a 45 minute drive. And so most of the year I, you know, on the weekends, my brothers might go out and do something together, but it was a bit too much of an effort to come and get me. So if anything, I just felt a little bit isolated, but I've always been quite independent um you know I'm happy I'm happy to live away from my parents I I live at home with mum now which is amazing because I come home every night to a home-cooked meal but um you know like from the ages of 14 to 20 I I didn't live with my parents because I was at boarding school and then I was at college for a year so at the time I'm sure it was a bit of a shock for me especially I was yeah 14 years old but now it's kind of like I just don't think about it it's just the norm but yeah I don't know yeah well I suppose you don't really know any different so that's just how it was yeah yeah exactly and even thinking back even on I'd see my parents like twice a year you know because I on holidays I'd have to be swimming training so I'd stay in Brisbane and stay with um um with my coach because you know I I couldn't go back to PNG and go back to training you know three times a week and then expect to go well well at age nationals or whatever so I'd stay at my coach's house and we'd train nine times a week, which is standard in swimming. Um, 
so most of my holidays were spent in Brisbane away from family again. So, you know, twice a year seeing my parents is pretty normal. And dad still lives in PNG. So with COVID, I've seen him once, twice since my 21st and I'm about to turn 23. So it, it's all relative. For me, that's normal. But for some other people, you know, they might be devastated by that. But I'm just, I'm lucky to have these experiences and, you know, everyone's different. So it's just how it is. Yeah, which... Yeah, as I said, it's if that's how you brought up, you don't really know. And if you don't feel like I, you've missed out, that's just the norm. Do you think then, because you were in boarding school, that swimming, obviously, like I come from a swim background as well. So I know that it can be quite a close knit group, especially with your squad and you're seeing each other so much. Like you often, I mean, especially in your case, seeing them more than anyone else. Do you think that sort of helped create a sense of family? Definitely. For the first six months that I was at boarding school, like I said, I was going from training three times a week in PNG um, to trying to train nine times a week coming to Australia. I, I was, it was, that was, if anything, the most shocking part. I was not ready for it. Mm. And for the first six months, you know, I'd rock up to training maybe four or five times and then I'd just be cooked. And, you know, it, it was really tough. But once I made those friends and I like these mates from school I'm still really good mates with them mates for life like um especially at the swimming um pool it, it made it a lot easier to go to training but yeah it was almost like a family because my coach at the time Greg Fasala I still sit, go and see his daughters catch up for food um my assistant coach Jess Pfeffer now she's you know she was like a mum to me in school and I, I still catch up with her so it, it really was a family at the time for me yeah, for sure. So what inspired you to like, obviously, you know, you said you were swimming in PNG beforehand and then you came over here and bumped it up to nine. Was that something that you moved over for? Yes and no. I was always going to come to Australia for um, high school, for boarding school. All of my, I'm the youngest in my family. I've got three older siblings and they all went to um, boarding school. And my older brother was at Churchy. And I was enrolled to go to Churchy um, after I'd completed year eight in PNG. But during year seven in PNG, Greg Fasala from Ipswich Grammar came um, to do some scouting and he ended up offering myself and a couple of other guys some scholarships. And for me, it, wa it wasn't about the money. The company my dad worked for, um, it, is, it was written into his contract that they'd pay for our schooling up till year 12. So I could have gone wherever I, I liked, but it was more the fact that someone had shown interest in me that I, and that I knew that I had someone there. Whereas I, I feel like if I had just gone and gone to Churchy and I knew that I wanted to keep swimming, if I'd gone to Churchy, I knew I would have just probably fallen out of love with the sport, especially at the time I was keeping track of swimming in Australia a little bit. And um, I knew that Zach Sully Cook was at Churchy and that that's, uh, yeah, I know Zach is is an amazing dude, but if I was at Churchy, there's no way I'd be swimming today. And so I'm I'm really thankful that I got the opportunity to go to Ipswich, and it completely changed the course of my life. Yeah, what makes you say that you don't think you'd be swimming if that was the case? Well, if I had gone to Churchy, I would have. You know that they were a swimming school at the time. I I, haven't, I don't keep up with GPS anymore, but you know they had all these good swimmers, and I, I would have gone in and just gotten flogged on my first day and I'm sure the coach uh, wouldn't have paid you know too much mind to me I'm not not to say that he's not a great coach it's just you know I was coming from PNG 
not not a lot of background to me not you know maybe a little bit of talent but I, I had a lot of work to do whereas he had all these swimmers that were already doing amazingly well on the you know, age national stage so I I just think I wouldn't have had that that attention that I, I, I think I would have needed to go further with the sport and especially at GPS, like there would have been no need for me because I'm a breaststroker and Zach's a breaststroker, Olympic gold medalist, 200 breaststroker now. Um, but at the time he was, he was the person to be in Queensland and at that age um, in Australia. So I just think there would have been no need for me and therefore no attention. And I just would have given up. Yeah. What has made you stay in swimming so long then? Because obviously like it's pretty full on from such a young age, like doing nine sessions at, you know, 14. There's not many sports that require you to do that sort of training. Why do you think you've stuck around so long? I, I love it. Um, I love being hurt at training. I love getting flogged. I, there was a while in my life that I, I, I didn't, I think I, I'd keep swimming and, but I, you know, stopped for a while and then realized that I was pretty much, I wasn't diagnosed, all but diagnosed. I think I was depressed and I came back to swimming after four months, you know, 15 kilos overweight. And as soon as I got back in the pool, you know, it, it's the sense of gratitude that once you finish a hard set or, you know, training, training sometimes can be a slog, but I love racing. It's just everything about swimming, you know, you, the mates you make, the, level of commitment that it takes you know that everyone in the pool around you has that same goal and you just you're all like-minded and it's it's an interesting environment but and obviously I also have a very different perspective as I swim for Papua New Guinea and it's I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's more um, difficult to make the team I'm very lucky lucky to be in my position I make most Papua New Guinean teams because of the way that it is and every day I count my um, blessings that I, I am from Papua New Guinea, but there's no way that um, I, I'd ever make an Australian team. I think I would have been close to making one junior Australian team in my life. And, you know, all these things have added up where I get to travel overseas and compete for my country. That's, you know, that that's a lot of people's dreams. And I, I, I often take that for granted, unfortunately, but that's something that is really special and that's kept me in the sport as well. But, even there was a stage that I wouldn't be able to keep compete for PNG. And I, I knew that. And I still went back to swimming because I just couldn't stay away. I, I had to keep going because it was what made me happy. Yeah. And you just get this high, like when you finish that set, like even though you're absolutely knackered and you've got nothing left in the tank, that high that you get, it's like, oh yes, like I finished that set, like how good. Or even yeah. after a race and you hit the time that you wanted or place where you wanted, it's like, yes, like nothing beats that high. It's so hard to find that elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Even this Monday, I had like an unreal set. I've only been back in the pool since um, just like since Japan last year, I had, you know, six months where I was training five to six times a week, taking it kind of easy, going back to uni, trying to knock some subjects out of the way. And so I've only been back in the pool for two weeks now, nine sessions a week, three gym sessions. And on Monday, I just had an unreal set and swimming faster than I've ever swum before. And that that's due to a number of things. But when I finished that set, I was just, you know, over the moon and I, I was yeah ecstatic and it, it's not something that you can find like it's 
almost comparable to like the adrenaline rush of like a roller coaster or something, but it lasts longer and you just, it, it just makes me happy. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. But it's also like different from, like, it is similar. I understand what you mean with the roller coaster, but it's also, you've put in that hard work as well. Yeah. It feels so good. Oh, I have so many questions I want to ask. I don't know where to start, but I think what you said before where you took time out and, you know, not necessarily diagnosed, but you were quite low and almost depressed, you would say. Yeah. What made you step away for that period of time and what was that chunk of time like for you? So in 2018, which was my first year out of school, I was, I was at college at UQ. So I was living on campus and college life at UQ is kind of similar to what you see college life in America where um, everyone's just pissed all the time. So I, I kind of got sucked into that side um, of it a little bit, but I, and originally when I went to college, I was still training and I was planning on competing at the Commonwealth games, but I had some um, the yeah Gold Coast Commonwealth games. I had some passport issues and that it was ridiculous in PNG at the time because once you turned 18 you had to give up your dual citizenship i'm very lucky that i'm an australian and Papua new guinean citizen um once you turned 18 you had to choose which one and going to uni i chose my australian but then you had to reapply for your Papua new guinean it took me 18 months to get my Papua new guinean citizenship back and you know a couple thousand dollars as well it, it, it's a ridiculous process that shouldn't exist but anyway and so, yeah, two weeks before, not even two weeks before the Commonwealth Games, I was still on the team, training every day, you know, committed. I, w- I was at college, but I wasn't drinking. I was just harrowing myself and praying that my passport was going to come through. Everyone kept telling me it's going to come through, it's going to come through. And then I think, I can't remember the exact date, but I think on a Wednesday I got told that I wouldn't be competing and it was like the next Monday that the Commonwealth Games started so it was like five days before the game started and that hit me pretty hard um I you know I was really looking forward to um doing my best and Commonwealth Games would have been the biggest event I'd ever competed at so it was it was going to be for me really special and from there I that yeah that hurt a lot especially like a week out if they had told me months before you know I, I could have just taken training training easy until my passport stuff um came through but I was flogging myself and yeah it, it it was really really disheartening to um to have that done and then so I from there I decided oh well if you don't need me that's okay I just won't swim and I quit and started while I was at college so I was drinking every night um like every night I would have some beers and then on Thursdays it was college night so we'd go out and I'd go even harder and then on Sundays we'd go out again and every night you could find someone that was on the beers somewhere and it just wasn't the best environment especially if you're looking to be a performance athlete I I wasn't in a good environment and so I got sucked into that for a bit and my sleep schedule changed I was going to sleep at 2 3 a.m waking up at 11 and one day I just woke up as my passport stuff still wasn't hasn't hadn't come through and I woke up and I just I said I can't do this shit anymore it just sucks like I 
I was at the time 90 kilos and I was fat and I, I, I hated myself and I needed to do some sort of exercise. And I, that that's one of the lowest times of my life. And then getting back into swimming really saved. I'm um, yeah. Swimming really saved me. If I had kept going down that path, I just, yeah, I don't think I'd be very happy with where I am or where I would be. Yeah. And it's really hard. And I'm sorry that that sort of was your experience. So yeah, it's, it's challenging. And you know, those results hit hard because you care so much, like you wanted it so bad and you care so much about it. And that's why it hits home so hard. So it's challenging on how to navigate that. Do you think now looking back that you would have done anything differently? It's, it's really hard to say, um, you know, I'm really not sure. I'd like to think that with my experience now, if I if I was left off a team, I'd, I'd love to keep training because knowing what I know now that I love swimming, like that's what it took for me to realise that I love swimming and I love training and I love competing. Even if I don't get to compete for my country, if I get to put up a time that's close to my best, that's all I can ask for. And so knowing what I know now, I think I would, I'd, I'd still continue training, except the college environment. Again, it's so hard not to see, you know, uh, it's so hard to see all these guys going out, drinking every night, looking like they're having the time of their life. And then you just sitting at home, waking up, hearing them come back at, you know, 2am, you've got to wake up at, at four to go training or whatever it is. You know, I was training a long way away at that point, but yeah. So I'd like to think that I'd train a bit more, but it, it would still be tough. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, on the flip side of that, you said, you know, on just recently that you had one of the best sessions ever and it felt amazing. What yeah. do you think led to that, given that you'd had so much time sort of to, not necessarily off, but reduce load? Do you think that played a part as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, so since July, yeah, like I said, I've been doing five, six sessions a week, maybe one gym session. And then I've also, I'm also at uni studying medical imaging. So I have to go on placement every, every six months for a couple of months, but I had a placement over most of uh, all of November and most of December where I was working full time and trying to train around that as well. And I was just every day I'd go to work or go to training, then come home, have a quick feed then go to um, work and get home so I'd leave the house at you know 5 45 in the morning and get home at six o'clock at night and I was just shattered and that was every day and on Saturdays I'd go to training as well that that was our biggest set at the time then I'd have most of the Saturday off and then on Sunday you know I've got no money coming in I had to work as well for an actual job where I could get paid because we don't get paid for placement Mm. so I was getting flogged every day whereas now I've had all that time where I had a decreased load. Then I had Christmas and I had about three weeks over Christmas where I wasn't training at all. It would, should have been two weeks, but then I caught COVID. So I had to have a week of isolation. Um, and that time off and um, really gave me the opportunity to realize that I wanted to go hard. Like all I, all I want to do right now is swim. And you know, I get home every day and all I do is, you know, think about rest and recovery. I, I, I stretch and then I sleep. That's pretty much it. Um, so that decreased load definitely has given me the opportunity to be better now because it's, it's allowed my body to rest and recover. 
and also working under that increased load my body's used to so much more so i can give all of that energy back into training if that kind of makes sense yeah definitely makes sense and i think it's interesting that you say like the two times where you've taken time out has made you realize how much you love it and how much you want more how do you view rest now i i love rest um taking time out is very different to rest i suppose but every day like i live at home with mum. like i said before you know i i, I live the dream I, I go to wake up in the morning i go to training i come home i have i you know have cereal or i make myself out on toast or whatever for breakfast and then i go upstairs watch a little bit of youtube and then go to sleep that's every day and then i wake up again go to training in the afternoon come home and i've got um a home-cooked meal ready for me for dinner so i i rest you know i sleep two to three hours during the day and then another eight plus hours at night i'm all i'm doing is resting and so while i haven't been able to rest for the last few months well, well this last month i've been able to rest a lot but previously i haven't been able to rest because of placement and uni and whatever else i now view rest as something that is not mandatory but i i need it it's something that i need if i if i want to perform my best i need to rest that's pretty much how i see it yeah i think it's sort of not so much underrated but i think as athletes we always want more and feel like we should always be doing something to be better and it's the the one percenters and all those sort of things that we always talk about but sometimes that one percent is sitting down on the couch and watching tv yeah, and I absolutely. think that doesn't necessarily get spoken about or we sort of sleep under like, oh, but we're not doing anything. It's like, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I love rest. And, you know, it, whatever you need to do to make your body feel fresh for the next session, that's what you've got to do. So, and for me, that's rest. Like I'll, I'll do a little bit of stretching before um, I always get to training, you know, 45 to half an hour before training and do some stretching and after I finish training, but when I get home, I'll, I'll roll out a little bit or I'll stretch. But other than that, it's all just rest, lie down, sleep, watch, you know, just do whatever I need to do to make sure I'm ready. Yeah. hundred percent. Now you did go to Tokyo last year. What was that lead in like? And then even being there. So the lead in was interesting and I, I was going through a whole lot of stuff that i don't really want to get into but um down in trials was probably apart from um 2018 was probably one of the hardest times in my swimming career i didn't swim as well as i would have liked to like i said i had stuff going on at home i shouldn't have um expected much but it, it wasn't I didn't swim as well as I would have liked to. And I, I really wasn't happy with my results. And more than anything, I felt guilty. Like I remember watching the 200 breasts um, A final. I was in the B final um, and watching the swim after. I, I saw Zach swim and I was over the moon. And then I saw Matt Wilson and I was heartbroken. And because at the time, no one knew that he was going to make the team but I just felt so guilty. And, you know, why, why do I get to go at this time, at this stage, I already knew that um, I'd already been told by PNG that I was selected on the team. And so trials was, it, it wasn't essential for me, but I was looking at all these other swimmers and, you know, the guys that I trained with and everything that 
had all these hopes and were trying to make the final or trying to make the team. And I just, it was, it was heartbreaking for me to see everyone else. And I just thought, you know, I remember, yeah, sitting up in the crowd one day and just bawling my eyes out what, like after I'd finished swimming and just feeling like shit thinking about, you know, the world's unfair. Why do I get to go? I'm not half as good as half these guys. And, and I know now like that, my predicament is very different to a lot of these people, but it, it, it's something that I do think about quite often. You know, I, 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 it's not to say that I don't put in the hard yards. I'm, I give my all at training every opportunity I get to, but it's, it's still, it's still something that weighs on me heavily. Like, you know, some of my best mates, all they want to do is compete for their country. And I get to do that all the time. And it's just not fair. And life's not fair and that's the way it is, but it just sucks. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get pity or anything. I, I was staying with one of my, the guys that I swim with and he was, he was like, man, you train just as hard as any of us, if not harder, like, you, you know, don't beat yourself up. And I'm just like, nah, it's not right, man. I, I like, yeah, I, that was tough on me because I just, at the time I felt I didn't deserve any of it. And it, I really didn't, it almost made me not want to be there, which sounds ridiculous. And, and I hate saying it because everyone, every athlete would love to be in a similar position to me where I, you know, get to go to all these amazing competitions and I'm pretty much guaranteed to, and it's just not right. But it's, it's also something that they don't really think about it, how it weighs on you that, you know, it, it helps that I put the effort in, but it, it's, it still doesn't sit right with me and it, it, it still weighs on me every day and especially, especially with all the guys that I train with, but yeah. So that lead in was pretty, pretty tough. Um, and both my races down at, well, yeah, all of my races down at trials were really average. And I think that was, that was the first time I was ever nervous for a race. I've never been nervous for a race before. And that's because I put expectations on myself. I wanted to make the Olympic B qualifying time to prove to myself that I deserve to be there. And I didn't, I, I got to go to the Olympics on a universality card, which is a wild card for, you know, countries that don't have anyone that's qualified. And I didn't get, I didn't do those times and it really, really sucked at the time. And that putting all those expectations on myself made me nervous for my race. And i swam dog shit like some of the worst swims i've ever done and so from that experience i couldn't sit right with myself if i went home and half assed it i went home back to brisbane because trials were down in adelaide and i flogged myself for the next six weeks i did everything i could to make myself better so that i could have um the perfect race at the olympics and you know, I was also had a slight injury at the time, but that's not a big deal. But it was, I, I, I'm happy with how I went at the Olympics, but that, that lead in with trials really being eye opening to me and that how unfair everything is, is um, probably what motivated me the most to not half-ass it. Like I'm given this opportunity, so I need to take it and do everything I can with it. Yeah, for sure. How do you, I can imagine, well, I can only imagine because I'm not in that situation and I'm sure like obviously it's quite a unique 
place to be as well. How do you navigate that? Because it's obviously something that you still is still on your mind. How do you process that and go in? Because standing behind those blocks, you have to be selfish to a point and believe in yourself that you're capable of doing it. So how do you block those sort of doubts out and that, you know, everything is sort of unfair? How do you block that out in order to race at your best? Well, it, it's it's difficult because, you know, what I like to think when I'm behind the block, or all I think about when I'm behind the blocks is my race plan. Then when I get up on the blocks, I just put faith in that I know that I've done the work, despite, you know, maybe being here because because of the um, very, very privileged and lucky circumstances that I, I am. I have put in the work to be here as well. I've trained, you know, just as hard as anyone else here. And I've, yeah, so as soon as I get up on the block, I just let my mind go blank and, and let the training do its thing. But yeah, it, it, it's, it was really tough for a couple of weeks there when I was, yeah, just after trials and well, during trials and after trials where a lot of people didn't make the team that wish they had. And I, I just yeah, it felt, felt really guilty and, you know, and, Everyone that I spoke spoken to, you know, Lani Pallister, who just missed the team, I went to a, a party um, with her before I went to the Olympics, um, one of my mates' house parties, and um, I, I didn't know her at the time, but I met her there, and you know, she was really, really supportive, and everyone everyone is always so supportive, and that it doesn't help, like <laughs> it it makes it worse because it you. Yeah, everyone's so nice to you about it, but you, you still feel like you don't deserve to be there, but everyone's so nice about everything. And, you know, I, I speak to Zach before we race and whatever, and he's like, Oh yeah. What time do you have to go to, you know, qualify for the Olympics or whatever. And cause he knows, he knows I've, I've been racing Zach for I don't know, eight years or whatever it is now, but he, so he's familiar with the circumstance that I'm in. And, you know, I'll say, Oh, if I get the B time, I get to do two swims over there, but I'm pretty much already on the team. And, you know, he's like, oh, that's awesome, man. Like, it's just everyone's so nice and supportive. And it, it, swimming is such a great community, but it, it's, it, it still sucks for me because I feel so guilty. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question because it's something I'm still dealing with. Yeah. And both Zach and Lani have been on the podcast before and both so genuinely lovely, kind people. So I can imagine yeah. that conversation taking place and them being your number one fan. Yeah, absolutely. Lani, like that was the first time I've, I'd met her. She's since become one of my best friends. Like she is just amazing. And, you know, we take the piss all the time now, but we, we went to a house party after the Olympics and I um, brought in my car a pillow and a blanket because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drive home. Sometimes I'll sleep in my car, but I ended up sleeping on my mate's floor. So I brought my pillow and my blanket in, but the blanket that I brought with me was my Tokyo Olympic Duna thing and Lani had just missed the team and she was also staying at the place and she slept on the couch and she refused to touch my blanket and I, I felt horrible because you know she's she is one of the most talented swimmers in Australia and she works so hard and you know she goes the extra mile on everything and it just that sucks but she is still such a, she's you know she's happy to laugh about it now but you know it, it still has to hurt for her and she's such a lovely person and I'm yeah I'm glad that I've made a friend out of it but <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know 
Yeah, it's tricky. And I remember talking to her and she was very emotional when we spoke about that too. So, but I also know that she would 100% give banter about it now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she, she loves to chat shit, but yeah, she, yeah, she's such a good person. I'm yeah, really lucky to have people like her, not necessarily just Lani, but people like her that are all just so supportive of me. And even though they didn't swim as well as they would have liked to at trials or they didn't uh, just miss the team or whatever it was, they're still so supportive and, you know, only wish the best for me and, you know, they've got to be wishing or thinking, you know, he's so lucky. I wish I was in his spot or whatever, but they, you know, they'll never say anything like that. They'll just, yeah, they're always just so supportive. And I suppose some of it comes from they, the people that I train with, they know that I've put in the work, but it's, yeah, still, still, still something that I deal with today and that I'll, I'll, you know, inevitably deal with in the future, no matter what, you know, unless I start, progressing to the point where I can compete with Zach there's which I, I'd love to and I and I work my ass off so I can but it, it's it's realistically I'm not at that stage just yet but unless I'm you know one of the best in Australia and potentially make could be like potentially making Australian teams then there's you know it, it's always going to weigh on my mind in saying that just I would never swim for Australia. I'm always going to swim for Papua New Guinea because that's my home and that's the right thing to do in my mind, even though I have an Australian citizenship. it's I swim as a visitor in Australia every time I race, except for uni because it's uni. But, you know, I will always swim for PNG. And I said before about... Um, being close to making one of the junior Australian teams. I, I still went and competed at that comp, but I swam for PNG. And I, I just don't think I'll, even, even if I was competitive with Zach and Matt, I would never, ever swim for Australia. And that's just a personal thing for me. Yeah, 100%. And that's totally your choice. And, you know, that's home. It's representing your country. That's where you're from. That's part of your identity. So, yeah, exactly. How it's incredible though, how important having such a good, strong support network behind you is though. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the key people in that is my coach, Sean Crow. Um, he, you know, he, he when I when I was going through all this this stuff, he just told me, You train like an international athlete. Why don't you deserve to be there? Like, you know, why not? And it it's that helps a little bit, like knowing that I I've still work my ass off but yeah i've got all these amazing support networks around me and i'm just really appreciative and everyone no one ever judges me or thinks less of me they just you know they're happy for me and it's really awesome and i really really appreciate it yeah for sure if your younger self could see you now how do you think they would react if they if they had a quick replay of my entire life up to now, they I, I don't know they'd, they'd see a lot of uh, questionable hairstyles. That's for sure. <laughs> um, they I think they they'd be proud. Like I, I got to swim at the Olympics. That's everyone's dream. Like well, everyone in swimming stream. I. Like I, I, I'm still speechless. It's seven months later. I, 
I don't know what to say. All I've ever dreamt about since 2008 was swimming at the Olympics for PNG. And so in 2008, I was still in PNG. And, you know, it, it's not a big deal for other countries. But in 2008, Ryan Pinney swam the 100-meter butterfly, made it to the semifinals, and then made it to the finals. And he was in lane eight in the finals. And that is the best performance that PNG has any ever had in any sport. He came last in the finals, top eight in the world. And that's, yeah, the best performance PNG has ever had in the Olympics. And that's something that really stuck with me. And ever since that day, I've always wanted to swim for PNG and just at, at the Olympics. And, you know, many, like one of my best mates also swam for PNG and he, unfortunately in 2016 got locked out because Ryan Penny was still swimming at the time and um, got chosen over him. There was a potential that they could both go, but that because they both had a B time, but everything fell through at last minute for him. Kind of similar to what happened to me in 2018. And, you know, that was really heartbreaking for him. And I'm very lucky to be in the position that I'm in, that I've, I've gone to achieve my dream. And yeah, I think if my younger self saw me, I'm proud like what else could you ask for yeah and on a similar wavelength then you know Ryan was someone that you looked up to I mean you're also Ryan so how do you feel being <laughs> yeah. the next Ryan and having someone like that looking up to you in that same way yeah it's so weird because you know I'm like 22 years old. I, I don't feel 22. I still feel like a 15 year old. You know, I, I don't feel that old. I just, but to think that people look up to me and I even see it at training and back home, I haven't been back home since the Olympics because I haven't had the chance, but I know back home there are like, I don't know how many kids and I see comments on Facebook and that sort of thing. People cheering me on and supporting me. And it's just insane for me to think that these people who don't know me personally at all, but, um, they've got all this love and support for me just because I, I swim for their country or even at training, there's a couple of younger guys that swim breaststroke and, um, you know, they, before their race, they'll come up to me and ask me, you know, what's, you know, what should I think about? Or, you know, what's a good race plan? I was like, speak to the coach, but uh, <laughs> do what, do whatever Sean tells you to do. But, you know, these guys, as much as I like to joke around with them, they're, they're only 16, joke around with them in training. I still like, I can still see that they look up to me that they don't want to make it out. Like they look up to me, but they definitely like, there's some sort of admiration there. And I, I really appreciate it. It's just to be in this position is surreal. I just want to take that opportunity and use it in the best way that I can. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give these kids all the advice that I can and try and use my, I don't want to say platform because I don't, I don't have a social media program. Um, presence or anything like that but use my status in the best way that I can to help anyone that's younger than me that you know is inspired by me or anything like that yeah absolutely and I think that's a really good way of putting it rather than saying like platform whatever like your status and what you've sort of achieved and using that as a platform to then help others I think is awesome yeah definitely so given that going to the Olympics was has been your childhood dream and you've achieved that what's the next goal what are your upcoming goals as soon as I finished my race at the Olympics I went and spoke to my coach and pretty much the first words out of my mouth was I want more it 
you know, I swam at the Olympics. I swam in the heats. I did a, a small PB, but I, I was, I was ecstatic. I got to swim at the Olympics, but I'm not satisfied. Nowhere near it. I'm short term. I'm looking at com games this year and thinking that the finals are within reach. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I'm that's what I'm working towards the, these six months is looking at um, yeah, the con games and trying to, I, I'm bypassing world championships because of uni again, I've still got a couple of years left, so I can't, I won't be able to make it to world champs. So I, I'm putting all my energy towards com games and trying to make that finals. And that's a stepping stone for hopefully Paris in a couple of years. If, if, if I could repeat some, something similar to what Brian Pinney did in, you know, two years, two and a half years time and make a final at the Olympics, you know, that would be unreal. And that's, that's a long-term goal, goal for me. And that's something that I may or may not achieve, but that's what I'm working towards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's achievable. It's doable. It's been done before. So it's definitely possible. Yeah. Well, hopefully I guess only time will tell. And if I put in the effort, hopefully it can it will it will happen but we'll see yeah now i should do three questions to sort of finish with and the first one is what is something that you're most proud of about yourself i think the thing that i'm most proud of was that time in 2018 that i was able to wake up and realize that i wasn't happy with who i was becoming and who where i was in my life and being able to use that and go back to swimming that's probably something that yeah I'm most proud of is being able to recognize that I was wasting my time and yeah putting myself back even though I was 15 kilos overweight and it was going to be a long slog to get back uh, to be fit um, having the perseverance to get back there is probably something that I'm most proud of. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's one thing to recognize like, hey, this isn't working, but it's another thing entirely to actually do something about it and pick up the pieces. Yeah, definitely. What is your favorite quote and or the best piece of advice that you've been given? My favorite, I'm not a big quotes guy. I, there, there's always that Michael Phelps at Under Armour ad before 2016, that that's and at the end, I'm not ex- um, exactly sure of the quote or who said it, but it's it's something along the lines of it's what you do in the dark that puts you in the light. Ooh. And yeah, that's that's I, I I don't like many quotes, but that one is yeah I I really like that one. So I haven't heard that. I'm gonna go have to look that up now. I'm yeah, that, that's one of my favorite ads. It's if I if I ever need if I'm ever feeling like unmotivated or whatever I'll just watch that ad and yeah it's it's pretty unreal. There's a video I don't know what the title of it is it or if it's an ad or what it is exactly but it's super motivating. Phelps is in it but it's not like his video and I'm, like Ryan Lochte's in it as well and it's like a um, swim I think it's called like Rise and Grind. It's like a three four minute video. I, I, I have seen this before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. good. <laughs> this, this one's only like maybe a minute long but it, it's, okay it's yeah definitely anyone that's listening go watch that because that will give you the motivation to go to training this afternoon or you know yeah do whatever yeah. you need to do so good the last question is any tips or advice for anyone that is listening um that's tough i i think just 
one, trust your coach. Always number one rule is trust your coach. But advice is stick to it. You, you know, if you're doing all the right things, then at some stage, everything will fall into place and you'll swim that PB or you'll make that final or whatever it is. It's, it's not, it's, you know, swimming is by definition a slog. You, you go into training every week and you do the same thing and you just hurt yourself. But if you stick to it long enough, you know the results will come. So definitely don't feel disheartened if you're not swimming where you'd like to be. But um, yeah, try and stick to it and, you know, trust yourself and trust your coach. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been awesome chatting to you and hearing your perspective on things. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, family, and on social media. And don't forget to tag the podcast in your post. It really helps me out a lot. If you like the podcast, please go give it a follow, rate, and review. If you haven't checked out the current merch, you definitely should and go get your hands on it as soon as you can. Thank you so much for supporting me and I can't wait to be back in your ears in the next episode. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.